It's time to talk UK sports with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is the Leach Report Radio Network. Join in the discussion by tweeting your questions to at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call 877-904-1080. Now, along with an outstanding lineup of guests and broadcast to the most passionate fan base in America, the Big Blue Nation, here's the voice of the Wildcats. Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to our Monday edition of the Leach Report. We are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington and happy to have you guys on board with us to get us through a day at a time, a week at a time. We'll, uh, this show, uh, generally give you some diversion, some other things to get engaged in, to, uh, look ahead, look back on UK sports and, um, on uh, on Fridays, we'll maybe work in a little thoroughbred racing as long as it's the uh, the only sport still going. So we'll uh, figure it out on the fly as we uh, work through these crazy times that we're all in right now. Uh, coming up today, we're going to talk with John Hale from the Courier-Journal. He had a story out uh, last couple of days about a uh, possible grad transfer for Kentucky, a guard from UNLV that we'll talk about here in a second. And then Kyle Tucker from The Athletic always joins us on Mondays. And uh, he's had several uh, interesting stories of late, one about uh, Emmanuel Quickly and uh, the possibility of that, you know, would he return for another season? Uh, Mitch Barnhart, his experience on the selection committee as the tournament was being canceled. And uh, Joe B. Hall reminiscing about the 75 win over Indiana. Yesterday was the 45th anniversary of that. And his latest one's about the 2014 Kentucky-Wichita State game. So a lot of things we'll get to with Kyle coming up on the show today. Right down to the Wildcat news of the day, and it's a service of Cardinal Point Financial Group. That is a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. Reports are saying it's unlikely that the NBA is going to have a combine or individual workouts or pro days. So... We'll just have to see how that affects college basketball, Kentucky in particular. Uh, I would certainly think Tyrese Maxey is definitely gone. I would guess uh, Nick Richards uh, would, to me, be maybe the second most likely because he's had three three seasons. He's coming off far and away his best season. Uh, the skill set that he has, uh, being you know almost seven feet tall and uh, great uh, length, uh, it, you know, good shooter, etc. Uh, but quickly, could you make a case if if you're a manual to, to come back, play a little point guard, and add that to your resume? Um, Ashton Hagen, since the season didn't end the way certainly he wanted it to, um, could he return? Uh, EJ Montgomery, I'm sure we'll take a look at the NBA, but you would think uh, his decision ought to be the easiest to come back, ought to be. Um, so, uh, we'll, I'll get into a little bit of this with our guests as we move through the show today. Uh, Rick Patino did an interview with the New York Post. He's doing a lot of interviews now as the new coach at Iona. said he thinks John Calipari is a lifer at Kentucky. And Patino says Calipari has, quote, the best job in all of college basketball. And he doesn't think Calipari will leave it. Patino said he's smarter than me, unquote, and that uh, Cal will stay at Kentucky. Uh, the grad transfer we mentioned is a UNLV guard, Amori Hardy, averaged 14.5 points a game last season. He's the older brother of Jaden Hardy, one of the top 2021 20, recruits that Kentucky is pursuing. 
the Olympics slated for later this summer in Japan. The IOC says cancellation is not on the agenda, but there are organizations and countries saying they are not coming. One would think they would have to look at postponing, um, whether it would be later this year or into next year. So um, hopefully we'll uh, get some resolution on that before long because there are some former Wildcats that would be involved. And uh, congrats to uh, Rex Chapman for what he's doing. He put out a tweet last night, and I'm sure many of you follow Rex uh, for the the great Twitter content that you get. Started with uh, Blocker Charge and has uh, continued into uh, dogs and uh, other great uh, Twitter content. Anyway, Rex reached out to all of his Twitter followers to uh, start a uh, relief fund for nonprofits who are uh, working with people who are struggling at this time. And I think I saw where they raised $55,000 in the first two hours. Uh, I donated uh, earlier today. I uh, would encourage you guys to take a look at it. And if you can, and there's a, a nice little one-minute video there from uh, Rex, and we'll uh, get him on the show here soon, too, to, to talk about it. Links to the stories that we do talk about each day, you can find them on the Bud Light Leach Report page. That's at TomLeachKY.com. We're heading to a break. John Hale from the CJ. When we come right back, it's the Leach Report. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. They have locations in Hamburg and in Palomar. They're doing carryout. Uh, uh, there's delivery services. So give them all the local restaurants uh, all the help that uh, you can during this time. Uh, maybe a couple of days a week if you can, do a little carryout uh, and uh, help them out. We'll be right back on the Leach Report Radio Network. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. Shannon dialing up a little Kenny Rogers for our uh, bump back as uh, the the gambler was one of his biggest hits and turned into a movie in which he starred. And he uh, passed away at the age of 81 over the weekend. Uh, we're still working a little more Kenny Rogers, a few more Kenny Rogers tunes as we go through the show today. Right now, we're going to go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline and bring on John Hale from Courier-Journal.com. One thing we're, we're starting with during these times, John, with uh, many of our guests, is what are you watching on uh, in terms of uh, streaming series or uh, catching up on movies? Any recommendations for our listeners? Yeah, we're... Um uh, moving through some things. We watched Little Women over the weekend. That was actually pretty good. I don't think you'll probably get that recommendation on uh, sports shows very often, but that was a good one. Um, we're about to start that Tiger show on Netflix that everybody's talking about, so I'm excited to see that. So uh, we're just playing it day by day at this point. Uh, everybody is. Um, and uh, you were writing over the weekend about a, a possible – grad transfer that Kentucky's at least been linked with, um, a guard from UNLV. Tell us about uh, this player. Yeah, Mari Hardy. Um, he's a, obviously he's a kind of combo guard in a similar way of Emmanuel Quickly. I mean, if you read some of the interviews his dad has done out in Las Vegas, uh, he played mainly off the ball at UNLV this year. He wants wherever he goes to kind of showcase his point guard abilities for the next level. So it's unclear if he's a great fit for Kentucky. The obvious tie to Kentucky is he's the older brother of Jaden Hardy, who's one of their top targets in the 2021 class. He's the number one shooting guard in that class, depending on where you look. So there's a natural connection there. 
Uh, it becomes much more difficult if Emmanuel quickly comes back to school to figure out how he could fit on this roster, um, especially uh, with Quickly and Devin Askew, and then you've got E.J. Boston and Terrence Clark that you've got to work in the freshman class. There's going to be a lot of guys who want to play with the ball in their hands at various points. I don't know that he would make sense for Kentucky at that point, but if Quickly goes pro, uh, they probably need a veteran kind of point guard to pair with Askew just so it's not uh, a ton of pressure on him to come in and commit from day one. But even in that scenario, it might be a situation where Hardy has another school that it makes more sense, where he has more guaranteed minutes, that he could be the featured point guard. So I, I'm not uh, – my guess is he does not end up at Kentucky, but because of the connection to the brother, uh, and Kentucky has long been considered the favorite in his recruitment, uh, you can't rule it out completely. Yeah, it's, it's always challenging for Cal and, and other college basketball coaches – when and baseball coaches have had to deal with this for a long time, where you're you're not sure what your roster is going to look like until deeper into the summer, and now you add this element of uncertainty. We don't know there'll be an NBA draft, but we don't know when. If it looks like games can come back sometime in June, do they maybe postpone the draft? And if they do, and uh, push that back more, does that push back decision times? And so, you know, if if you think there's a chance that uh, you know, unless you get lucky and one of your guys you know, quickly or EJ or Higgins or somebody says, no, I'm definitely coming back as, as Ashton and Nick did last season. Otherwise, uh, and, and I, I really don't foresee that happening. Do you? No, I would be surprised. I mean, I think the only guy, if, if we're considering five guys with decisions, uh, obviously Tyrese Max, I think everybody assumes gone. I think most people assume that Nick Richards is gone. You would put Higgins in the more likely to leave and come back category, and then you get down to quickly and Montgomery as the two guys who are real toss-ups at this point. Of that group, I think the only one who you who you might come out and say get a decision that I'm just coming back would be EJ because you know obviously his numbers did not kind of support going to the draft, but he tested the waters a year ago, came really close to keeping his name in the waters. Then maybe he's a guy because he would need individual workouts to impress teams to get into that um, you know maybe being a second round pick. Uh, whatever situation he wanted to be in. And if those aren't going to happen, you could possibly see a scenario where he and his family just say, okay, the best best path is for me to come back to school, hopefully do what Nick did a year ago, have a breakout junior year and reassess it in a year. But the other four guys, I don't think there's any way that you're getting an early comeback decision from them. Uh, Cal said on his radio show with you last week, obviously, that he wants a manual to test the waters because he's you know earned that right. So uh, those two guys that are really up in the air, I think it's more likely than not that they play out the process. Uh, and yeah, if EJ were to uh, to leave, then uh, that uh, throws you into a situation where you're definitely looking for um, another big guy. Uh, at the moment, um, could you even guess as to how they're playing it? As yeah, far as they're recruiting? it's hard. I mean, I, I assume that they're talking to EJ and his family all the time to try and get a better uh, idea. The one probably think that helps him a little bit in that scenario is even if EJ comes back, you could see a need on the roster for a more physical kind of traditional post presence like Nick, assuming Nick's leaving uh, because he, you know, EJ's obviously he's never going to be a big bruiser down low. And, and the two freshmen they're bringing in Jackson and Ware are, are kind of slim guys right now too. Obviously Ken Brooks has played in the post, but he's definitely not a bruiser. So, so maybe they just pursue that route anyway and just go towards the graduate transfers or whoever else is out on the market, regular transfers. If that rule gets approved that they can, they don't have to sit out and pursue one of those guys regardless, because you might need him that way. 
And then if EJ comes back, it's kind of a, a bonus. And if he doesn't, then you're in a better situation. So I, I'm sure that Cal and his staff are pursuing kind of all options at this point. That's that's really all they can do. Boys, I thought Cal's uh, defense is at its best when they've got a, a great rim protector. And uh, if you're looking for big guys, I would think in the grad transfer market, it's it's a lot easier to find a good rebounder than a good rim protector, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I know there's one name out there from, uh, I forget his name specifically, from, from Quinnipiac, who was, I think, the nation's leading rebounder. So he's a guy who would be uh, obviously ready made for that kind of role, but I don't think he's much of a shot blocker. The good news is Isaiah Jackson, the freshman they signed, is supposed to be one of the best defenders in the class, and that's a real strength of his. He's not a huge physical guy, and obviously he's going to be going up against older, more mature players, so that's going to be a problem. But maybe he can fill that role. We've seen EJ at times. You know, block some shots. Maybe he can develop into that if he comes back. But that's a that's a real question, I think, too. Talk with John Hale from the Courier Journal. We'll take a break. Come right back. It's the Leach Report, and we're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. You can call them in Hamburg or in Palomar right now for carryout or delivery here in the Lexington area. They also have locations in Louisville too. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. We'll be right back. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Don't take your love town. One of my favorite Kenny Rogers songs back when he was with the first edition in the uh, early 70s, and we're visiting with. John Hale from the Courier Journal on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Uh, we're talking about guys, you know, making decisions to come back uh, for quickly coming normally off uh, the year that he had SEC Player of the Year by the coaches, third team All America, etc. That he could, um, it would be an, an easy decision to go. But there, I guess, is a, a case one could make on behalf of playing some point guard and adding that to his resume, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because he's probably a point guard at the next level in the NBA, and that's something that he just hasn't had a chance to really show much at Kentucky. Obviously, I think what early in his freshman year, he was starting at point guard a little bit, and then Hagens took over that role uh, and basically ran with it the last two years because he was so important to Kentucky in terms of his defense and just getting everybody else involved. And then this year, even when Ashton was out, uh, Tyrese was kind of the second option at point guard. So there's a there's a real argument to be made for quickly to come back. Uh, split time with Askew at point guard, show that he has the ability to you know distribute, get other people involved. Uh, his two-point percentage was not great, so that's another thing that he could kind of work on and, and show. The other side of that is, is he's fairly old for his age group, and we all know that the older you get in terms of NBA draft, the more questions there are, the more people kind of pick you apart and they just assume you are who you are, so maybe he just he's never going to play better than he did this year, so he just goes. I think it's that's a one of the rare situations in the Calipari era where it seems like it's a real toss-up, where there are good arguments for him to leave, good arguments for him to come back, and he seems like a kid that has, you know, obviously he's, he talks about his faith all the time, and he has way more important things that motivate him other than basketball. Uh, so he's much harder, I think, to pick than almost any other player in the Cal era. 
Talk with John Hale, courier-journal.com. On, uh, on Twitter, it's at John Hale underscore CJ. Uh, on the UK network, we're, we're doing these rebroadcasts of, of games, uh, and Saturdays was the Kentucky-Ohio State game, and Josh Harrelson was, I think, really surprisingly uh, the, the star of that game in terms of leading scorer, leading rebounder, in that he was going up against the guy who was the player of the year candidate, Jared Sullinger, there. And we saw Nick Richards this year uh, develop um, through uh, improved conditioning. Calipari kept talking about that with EJ. Harrelson was kind of the the early uh, case study for that in that, you know, coming into that season, they were trying to get Ennis Cantor, Ennis Cantor eligible. And then I think the, the thought was, well, it would be Eloy Vargas at the five. And then Josh incurred the wrath of his coach and ended up getting uh, prescribed some extra conditioning if he wanted to stay on the team. And he kind of came to see what the benefit was. And uh, it really, I mean, he's still playing professional basketball over in Japan. It really changed his life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's such a an important part of this whole thing. There, I mean, if if uh, Ennis gets eligible, Josh never probably even has a role on that team. And then if he doesn't, as as you said, get to the get in trouble and, and get so much time on a treadmill, he probably doesn't get the shape to contribute. And then he becomes an essential piece of a Final Four team. I mean, he had huge games in the regular season that year, and so it, it just shows you that it, too so often because guys come to Kentucky and leave so early we kind of assume they are who they are when they're freshmen, and that's just not the case. I mean, even in a program like this, you can develop, you can change. We could see guys like Kian Brooks and Johnny Juzang develop into really big pieces next year. They're not necessarily going to be role players, and, and quickly was a great example of that. I think back in August, uh, myself and I know a lot of other people wondered if he was going to get left behind because you bring in another group of five-star guards, and he was a role player as a freshman. Where does that leave him? Uh, and he's a real evidence that if you put in the work – you can still earn a bigger role and you can take over like you did this year. That's for me. One of the big questions about all these shutdowns is the conditioning for all these players. They're at home. They don't have access to the gyms. How are they going to do that and staying in shape on their own? Whenever they get back to campus, you know, whether it's June, whether it's July, whatever it is, uh, I think that's definitely something we're going to have to watch. Yeah. I think it's a really interesting question for the football guys because they'd be going hard at it, wrapping up spring practice about now and, and really focusing on, uh, the, uh, you know, training for the next season. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they got what five of their 15 practices done. So there's 10 practices you didn't get at all. Uh, then you would have come back for an extra conditioning session in, in the late spring semester. Uh, I think all the freshmen who are not. Uh, here for early enrollees. We're supposed to be here in early June. Uh, it seems hard to imagine that they're going to get there at that point. We'll, we'll see if that plays out, how that happens with the rest of Kentucky's schedule. Uh, so those guys in, in particular, I mean, the good news is you probably don't need many of the young guys next year, but the older guys, uh, the offseason conditioning is just as important for them. I mean, you see Josh Allen, the jump he made. Yeah. You need guys to do that. Great point. John, thank you so much. Stay safe. Anytime. Thanks for having me. John Hale from the CJ. Kyle Tucker next on the Leach Report. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Shining in. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then. Back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. We bring on Kyle Tucker from The Athletic. Um, I don't know if I 
ask you this last Monday or not, so um, I will hit you with the question we're asking our guests as they come on. Shows that you're streaming that you could recommend or movies you're catching up on as uh, folks are stuck in the house now? Well, the cool, one of the cool things is uh, on Amazon Prime and maybe some other areas uh, or uh, apps, you can get, I guess, movies that would be in theaters right now. Yes. Um, and so uh, we got The Invisible Man, and it was uh, it was really good. Uh, it was uh, very stressful watching uh, somebody try to run away from a person they can't see. Um, and then the show, I think it's, I'm not going to be the first or 5,000th person say this but tiger king on netflix is one of the most absurd things i've ever seen <laughs> uh and I, I highly recommend it i don't know if you know what it is or what it's about but it's haven't about gotten into that one yet it's about all these different characters uh the documentary uh all these different characters around the country who uh own big cats like tigers and lions and stuff and um they apparently are all all feud with each other uh and it just takes some truly remarkable turns so uh, i i would guess if you start watching it and you have some time you'll be done with it in a day or two so it's another way to watch the cats during this time with yeah. no games <laughs> yes watch the cats play for sure um and um uh that is uh on uh on netflix there's also speaking of movies i'm looking forward at some point here later this month i think the ben affleck movie about uh a basketball uh team that he coaches uh his character coaches yeah uh is coming i'm looking forward to that one well let's talk yeah, about some the, of your the jordan jordan doc i guess that uh is oh yeah Ben's talked about moving that up at some point that's like a 10 parter yes. yeah i can't wait for that i've been uh, actually going back and watching basketball a love story which was multi-part series that came out last year that's really really good about the history of the game and i'm knocking out some of those episodes that i didn't get to last summer um let's get to some of your stories you have been a uh, a busy young man churning out uh, good content here at theathletic.com uh let's start with the most recent one they asked you guys uh, the staff of writers that cover college basketball to come up with the best NCAA tournament game you have covered. And you went to 2014 in the Kentucky-Wichita State game. Yeah, I mean, obviously there have been some better, maybe better Kentucky games. Uh, the, the one that nobody really wanted to rewatch, but I suspect a lot of people did. Uh, Duke, the Duke game in 92 that was on, what, CBS, I guess? Yes, on Saturday afternoon. Um, but that was before my time, you know, since I came to cover Kentucky in uh, 2011, it was not even close, I don't think, that the best game since then uh, that I have covered was that Wichita State game. I mean, it, it had all the pregame intrigue with all the storylines, and, and we, I felt like we could all kind of see it coming um, as Kentucky was kind of struggling. Preseason number one, 40-0 t-shirts, they stumble uh, and look like they're going to be an eight or a nine seed, and you got Wichita State undefeated, uh, and the number one seed, and and we had been talking about it for weeks. Guys that covered the team, like they're going to totally put these guys together, uh, and then they did. And so you had all that build up and drama, and both coaches mad. Both both coaches certain that the committee was out trying to screw them, you know, um, which is great. And then it just turned out to be this incredible game. Um, it played at a very high level from start to finish, and you end up with a guy who helped to. The Raptors win an NBA championship last year. Fred Van Vliet, a great, great college player and now a really good NBA player, gets a clean look 
uh, and a shot that I thought was absolutely going in to beat Kentucky at the buzzer and just misses. You know, if that one shot goes down, one of the most memorable tournament runs in Kentucky history never happened. You know, none of the Aaron Harrison shots happened. That was before all those. Aaron Aaron, uh, shot three clinching three-pointers in that left wing, started with the Louisville and the Michigan and Wisconsin game. So Fred Van Vliet hits that three. None of the cool stuff we saw in 2014 happens for Kentucky. So there's a lot of reasons that game was – you know, one of the best I've ever seen. You know, and you mentioned the Aaron Harrison shots. There was a huge three late in that game that James Young hit that gets yeah. overshadowed because of the Harrison shots. But and as I, if I recall, you may remember this from the story, uh, that uh, he broke off whatever the, the called play was and uh, maybe forgot it and shot this three that was huge. Yes, yeah. I mean, knowing what I know about James Young, I'm not sure. I would not be shocked. Um uh, if he just did his own thing on that play, and that you know that wasn't a bad that wasn't a bad play for them back then. James Young, you know, he's talk about a guy who kind of gets forgotten and just in general. Yeah. And I think his teammate, um, the two guys that were one and done that year, James Young and Julius Randall, I, I feel like are both hugely overlooked guys in Kentucky history um, because you know the you know the Harrison twins kind of made all the big plays in that and that people remember in that tournament run and. Willie getting hurt, and people remember that, and even Marcus Lee having his moment against Michigan. And then, you know, the next year, there was so much, uh, you know, hype around that team, and that was built around a bunch of those 2014 guys as well. That I just, I think James Young and Julius Randle are almost like total afterthoughts to people, but probably shouldn't be. I mean, Julius Randle was one of the most automatic double double guys ever, and in that Wichita State game, he kind of floated with a triple-double. He had like 13, 11, and six assists. They were uh, putting him in the high post and having him attack and uh, get the ball to teammates. A lot of lot of uh, huge contributions from a lot of different guys, but it, it is funny how all we kind of really remember about that team is Aaron Hassan. Yeah, that's uh, very true. Uh, Jay, uh, Julius nearly uh, tied and broke Dan Issel's record for double-doubles in a season, which is like – I think Issel had 25 his senior year, and that uh, kind of felt like one of those records that, that might not ever get challenged. And Julius, Unbreakable, uh, yeah. Yeah, nearly, uh, nearly got it that season. We're going to get to a break. Kyle Tucker's with us. We'll get back into a couple of his other stories coming up. Uh, you can read them at theathletic.com. Good time to subscribe now. You have all this extra time. These are uh, not just Kyle's stories, but all of the writers there. A little much longer form stories go much deeper and uh, some great reads that you could subscribe to right now. We'll get to a break and come right back on the Leach Report Radio Network. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. We're back with Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com talking about uh, some of his recent work that you can find uh, at the site. Um, Yesterday was the 45th anniversary of Kentucky upsetting Indiana, an undefeated Indiana team in the Mideast Regional Final, as it was called at that time up in Dayton, Ohio, punched Kentucky's ticket onto the the Final Four in San Diego. And uh, you caught up with Coach Hall to reminisce about this. Got some really interesting quotes that uh, we can't share all of uh, here on the show. But uh, what was your your take of uh, your, your visit with Joe? Uh, I was, I don't think I've ever laughed so hard, 
during an interview or had my mouth agape so often. Uh, 91-year-old Joby Hall uh, asked him to take me back to the to the Indiana game in 75 and, and just he wind him up and let him go. He, he was he had lots of things to say, uh, several of them uh, intensely profane, which just cracked me up. Um, basically, um, you know, I think a lot of people remember this story is, is like kind of blown up and, and the comment section is especially blown up with uh, Kentucky and Indiana fans going at each other, um, which we don't normally have a lot of in our comment section, but it's getting, getting a little testy in there. Um, you know, they met in the regular season and, um, Indiana just destroyed Kentucky up, was up by like 35 and won by 24 in Bloomington. And towards the end of it, uh, as Joby tells him, and, and I obviously went back to check this against what was written at the time, and it was, uh, exactly as, as people wrote about, um, towards the end of that game, like a minute to go, it's a blowout. Um, Bob Knight is still arguing with the officials. Uh, and so Joe B basically followed him back down his sideline and was saying like, let it go, bud. You're, you know, you're killing us. Uh, and Knight did not take kindly to that. And he wheeled around and screamed something at Joe B and then slapped him in the back of the head, uh, which almost incited a brawl. Talked to Goose Givens about that. And he said it was the only time in his career he thought he was going to end up in a full blown brawl. Um, Kentucky had an assistant coach at the time who was an F, had been an FBI. Lynn Nance. Uh, and, uh, apparently was very close to tearing Bob Knight limb from limb and had to be held back. Uh, and then afterwards, I guess the AD or one of the assistant ADs at Indiana came over and said, you know, because Joe B said, as Joe B tells it, Knight and, and him were, you know, a lot of people didn't like Knight, but they were good friends at the time. They were yes. kind of like Joe B and Denny. Like, like Hunted Joby and fished together. Fishing and, yeah. yeah, and so they were friends. Um, and so the guy came over and said, you know, Joe B, I know you guys are good friends. Let's, you know, squash this. Why don't you walk off the court with uh, Bob? And he said, yeah, I'll do that. We'll walk right under there under those bleachers, and I will bleep his bleep and bleep. And as Joe's saying this to me, like I, I was stifling laughter the whole time, putting my phone on mute and, and cracking up. And then he he said one of the most colorful things. I'll just let people go read it. I don't even know a way to like communicate no, you can't. over the radio. But uh one of the most colorful descriptions of how much he dislikes Bob Knight <laughs> that I've ever heard. I never even heard this expression that he used. Uh, and apparently Knight flipped him off and dropped an F-bomb on him. And uh, So that was sort of the backdrop of then that Indiana team goes all the way through the season undefeated. The year before, they actually went undefeated. Uh, and they meet Kentucky for a trip to the Final Four. And, they, you know, that was, that was Kentucky and Joe B. Hall's dream matchup because then they were you know they wanted blood in that game um joe b kind of famously remade his offense and defense and let his guards open it up and shoot it which he never did uh they took 33 shots his two starting guards took 33 shots that night and scored 39 uh, scott may was not there it's a huge thing i mean you can't discount kentucky won a 92 90 in a game where you know the best player and leading scorer for Indiana. Uh, he did play. I'm sorry, but he was barely effective. I think he played. Yeah, he had broken his wrist. Yeah, he'd broken his wrist a month earlier and tried to go and played. I think barely didn't play more than a few seconds in the second half. So that was big too. Uh, but it was a different Kentucky team because they were, you know, hell bent on uh, 
ruining Indiana's perfect season. Um, and then apparently Bob Knight didn't shake his hand, uh, Joe B's hand after that game was over. But I thought the most interesting thing was Joe B talking about his pregame, what he did in pregame, which is not a new story, but I, I, you know, I've never heard him really describe it in completion, but, uh, he read up and wrote four words on the board. He wrote Nets, bus, police, coliseum, and then kind of just let the players sit with it for a second and he explained. You know, we're going to cut the nets when we do. Use scissors. Don't use knives. I don't want anybody getting hurt on the ladder. Uh, don't go home with your parents. Get on the bus because when we get on that bus and we cross the state line, there's going to be a police escort, and they're going to lead us all the way to Memorial Coliseum for the biggest celebration in Kentucky basketball history. And, and you know, it obviously it all kind of played out that way. I think the players really fed off Joe being so matter-of-fact, like win, win, yeah. win. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not and talking think, strategy for the game. He's talking about the post-game celebration, how it's going to go. <laughs> yeah, there was no, you know, they'd, they'd gone over their strategy. He didn't he didn't hit any talking points on the game. It was basically go, you know, go beat these guys. And um, interesting, I, I think he's right. Like, I, I mean, I wasn't around then, but when I talked to people, it, it was this crazy, you know, people were like lined up on the oh, yeah. sides, welcoming people Overpasses. Back, you know, the Coliseum. Yeah, Coliseum was packed out. And you think a place that's won eight national titles, um, you know, this was just to go to the Final Four. And they didn't win. They lost in the championship game in John Wooden's uh, last game. But I think that I gather that that win for people of a certain age that were or that were old enough to experience it um, might be the most satisfying win in program history because I think it did a couple things. It was sent Joe B to his first Final Four in Kentucky and Ben in nine years and, you know, there'd been a little bit of lull at the end of Rupp. It it also told the pro told people that the program was more than Rupp. It was going to go on. That, they, yeah. that their greatness could go on after Rupp. Um, I mean, it really set the stage for a program. You know, a, a, a blue blood program, not just a you know one time flash in the pan. You know, you had one great coach and he won all your titles and everything. After that, is just chasing ghosts. Like, hey, we could be great again. Uh, and then there's the satisfaction of doing that to a rival, uh, seeing Joe B do that to a guy who had disrespected him and a, and a coach that ever, you know, many, many people love to hate. Uh, I think there was a, it feels like there was just this massive, um, um, jubilation within the, within the fan base and the whole, everybody that cared about Kentucky basketball, that they could get that done. You know, Cal has talked about the, the opportunity to win titles when you sit in the chair here and that so many different coaches have done it. So it's not just the coach, it's the program. And to all of that stuff that he says, probably you can draw a line back to that day in, in Dayton, maybe. Yeah. I mean, if, if Joe B doesn't go do it, you know, in his time, then who knows if yeah. Kentucky basketball continues on in perpetuity as this great program. Because, um, you know, Cal talks about when he recruits guys now, like, yeah, I can't talk to him. Like, you know, some of the guys he's recruiting now, he can't even really talk to him about John Wall. You know, like they, yeah. they, barely, they barely saw John Wall, um, you know, in his greatness. And so they, he's like, they only remember the last, you know, two or three years. And so if you think about, like, you know, if it got – 10, 15 years out from Rupp winning big, um, you know, does Kentucky matter to recruits in all these places the way that, you know, it does when you now when you've established yourself as a program that has had, what, five different coaches with national titles and you've done it in every decade. That 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 is how you 
um, become sort of this bulletproof, you know, all-time program that, you know, no matter who's here, the name's going to carry weight. But it may not have happened if Joe B. hadn't gotten it going. Somewhere, I'm assuming this is in the archives of WKYT, which is the UK TV network flagship station. I have a VHS copy of what I'm about to tell you, and I'm going to try to dig it out here at some point and try to hook up a VCR, maybe pull off this audio and and use it. They did a roast for Joe B. Hall. Speaking to the Knight Hall relationship, they did a roast for Joe B., and uh, this was probably 73, 74, maybe. I don't know. Um, Cliff Hagen was the MC of this thing, and Channel 27 televised it in KYT here in Lexington. And they at one point, Cliff Hagen says, yeah, we wanted to get the man-on-the-street opinion. And so we found this this gentleman outside. Uh, we brought him in, and it was Bob Knight in, the, in this old army coat, shuffles in and does a hilarious routine, uh, you know, as a roast. Uh, taking oh, shots wow. at Joe and, and Cliff, and it's hilarious. And speaks to the, you know, obviously he went to the trouble coming all the way down to Lexington to participate in this. They were very good friends at that time. Right. Uh, yeah. So. No, it's, it, it, I think it was really shocking to Joe that it had, like, evolved, and, it, and he just couldn't, uh, you know, he couldn't he couldn't uh, forgive him for that. So Yeah. It's good Joe, stuff. Joe it's a fiery a, guy. He is, uh, even at 91. And you can feel, uh, that'll come through the article at theathletic.com with Kyle Tucker. We had more things to get to, so we'll, we'll do that another time. It's uh, a really great read uh, that folks can check out if they're subscribers or it's a good reason to subscribe. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you. We'll wrap up this edition of the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington in just a moment. Again, we'll remind you to uh, help out local businesses where you can. If you can uh, order uh, carryout or uh, delivery f- uh, food, um, l- restaurants are able to deliver uh, liquor. I think uh, governors relaxed some rules on that. So um, do whatever you can to help folks out. We certainly appreciate all of uh, our sponsors who are able to hang in with us. Some may have to, to take a little break, understand that. But uh, Tito's, one of uh, our sponsors, you just heard their spot. I saw where they're uh, using their operations to produce with the alcohol that they have, uh, hand sanitizer, uh, that they're going to answer the need for that particular product. So uh, kudos to the folks at Tito's for doing that. Donato Slice of Wildcat History, this day, 1948. Kentucky over Baylor for Adolph Rupp's first national title. First one for Kentucky as far as the NCAA tournament. And happy birthdays to Wildcat basketballer Zan Payne and former Wildcat E.J. Florial. See you tomorrow. To the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a-